25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Yo! Totally on me. That's all right. That's all Turn right. Turn the music off so you can hear the commercials out of your ears so you can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fine. Messed up. Well, that's fine. No worries. It's Monday. Monday, Monday. Welcome in. Hour number two of the show, off and running. I'm Matt. Live in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Several things learned in hour number one is that Praline is how it's pronounced, not praline. Got it? Got it. To repeat the open from just a little bit ago, you had a horse disqualified from the Kentucky Derby for the first time ever. You had Ole Miss winning a baseball series in Baton Rouge for the first time since 1982. Yet the only thing that people seem to be able to tweet about over the last 24 hours is the fact that a Starbucks coffee cup was left in a scene of Game of Thrones. And it's all all over the Internet now. You know what that's technically called in the the business that you do? Product placement? Well, well, (laughs) continuity error. Continuity error, yes. Well, and, you know, everybody... there are some great continuity error videos all over YouTube and stuff that you can find from your favorite movies and the like. But that's one of those. And I can't help but think, you know, what would it cost? Literally like what would it cost? Starbucks to have that kind of product placement in something like game of Thrones. I mean, how many millions of dollars, right? Like you can't, they needed a little bit of good, some kind of PR after the, they had a rough year last year. Kind of, they needed something, huh? You know, as it, you know, when they asked people to leave, it kind of got ugly. Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> no, you're right about that. You're right. I don't. I don't remember all the exact details, but you're definitely right about that. Hey, if you're tuning in, let me set you up on a couple of things. Um, in this hour, shoot me your text. You can text the show eight eight five ESPN. I failed to remind you of that earlier. Eight eight five ESPN or Eight eight five three seven seven six. It's all the same number. Eight eight five ESPN. That is a six zero one area code. So text the show. It just might be read on the air. But if you have a question or a comment, get it in. And then another way to do it, obviously, always enjoy hearing your voice on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment in Madison and Jackson. Your Kubota dealer. They're the oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S. Family owned right here at home. Divinity Equipment, Madison and Jackson. 
The number to call is 601-995-1059. That's a Divinity phone. You call me. We'll chat. Put you on the air. Pull up a chair. Have a seat at the table. Join the conversation today. 601-995-1059. Let her rip. And you can also tweet me anytime at Radio Wyatt. Earlier in the show on the Divinity Equipment phone, Mike Bianco, head baseball coach, Ole Miss, uh, fun conversation with him. He's out on the road rec- recruiting today. He um, That'll go a little easier. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they had a big win, uh, series win this weekend in Baton Rouge, and it took 10 innings yesterday, 19 to 15. 19 to 15. And LSU scored six runs in the bottom of the ninth, including back-to-back-to-back home runs to tie the game at 15 to send it to an extra inning. It's just incredible. It's wild. Sundays in the SEC, you just never really know what you're going to get. So that uh, happened earlier on the Divinity phone, Coach Bianco joining us, and that is posted right now. If you'll head over to the zone 1059.com. Did I get that right, Roger? The zone 1059.com. Right. Go to the on-demand section right now. You can go back and listen to that. Interview. So hi to everybody tuning in. Another first, by the way. I just noticed. I looked over here on the – we have a thing for the listeners out there called a hot keys board. And where we put these little drops that you hear, yeah. you, know, you know, like – Knock him out, John. Like right. So you've made the button board. Somebody put and from it. And from the label, I'm guessing Beaver put it, put it in. Okay, what does it say? It's because it's labeled – Banana hand. Banana hand, yeah. I don't know what it is. Do you, you, you want to All right, push it? I know what it is because Beaver filled in for you. We missed you on Friday, by the way. So he filled in for you, and he played that sum on Friday. Go ahead and hit it for me so I can hear it. What the hell are you doing, <laughs> banana hand? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we used that. Well, I and- thought he had pulled your uh, something from you because uh, that conversation you'd had the day before about the, yeah. the- uh, good breaker in one night and good buddy. <laughs> That was going to be rich mining right there. (laughs) Well, look, here's what came out of that, though. Here's what came out of Beaver producing the show on Friday. Um, He thinks that it is – he doesn't like it, and he thinks it's pretentious when somebody has a show with their own name in it. (laughs) Okay? The whole thing – the way the thread was woven, it kind of forced him to admit that. Now, what happened is I said, Beaver, did you see what Chris Brooks just tweeted? And he's like, no, what did he tweet? I said, Chris Brooks, who is the host of The Gridiron, which is the name of the show that comes on uh, the, the noon to two here. Noon to two there at WRKS, The Zone in Jackson, the – Jackson Central Mississippi affiliate of my show. The name of the show is The Gridiron. The name of his Twitter account is at MS Gridiron. But he tweeted out, hey, later today, going to talk to so-and-so baseball coach. And he put a graphic on the tweet. And the graphic said, The Chris Brooks Show. And I said, did he change the name? And Beaver goes, oh, he's doing that because. And then he paused and he goes, well, now I just realized, and I'm here on your show, and now I'm kind of – I said, go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it. And so he said, he knows that I don't really like 
And I think it's kind of pretentious when people name their show after them. I said, okay, <laughs> so you don't like the Matt Wyatt show. And I did admit, which is sort of honest here, just truthfully, that I've done a lot of shows, and I'm kind of out of names. And I got to a point, like when this show started, as you know, Roger, I had a million other things going on too Yeah, that – I didn't want to spend a great deal of time and energy and effort trying to come up with some clever name for this show. <laughs> well, if you've built a name for yourself and are a known quantity, why not use it? I, I think it's, you know, it, it really does pretty much lay out the show. You yeah. Know, is, it's about Matt, you know. It's mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's what Matt thinks on things. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of the point. But and I told guest, him, of course, yeah. you know, if we... I think what we came up with is this really harebrained idea that if I were to rename the show, if I were to rename the show, we might just go something completely crazy, off the wall, the purple cow theory, and just name the show Banana Hands. Sports <laughs> with Banana Hands or something like that. Because then it's like the purple cow, meaning you drive by a million cows in your life and none of them are remarkable. You don't remark on any of them. You don't stop, take pictures, nothing. But if you drove by a field and there's a bright purple cow standing out there, purple from head to toe, you'd stop, you'd take pictures, you'd remember, you'd think about it, and you'd tell other people because you would remark because it would be remarkable. <laughs> so that's why it's like in marketing sometimes – as long as you're moving the needle one way or the other, good or bad, as long as there is some type of remark, good or bad, the last thing you want to be, though, is just unremarkable. Well, you could name a show Banana Hands, and at least at the beginning people would say, what the heck is that? I have a soundboard, too, Roger, and I would just like to – Oh, no. I have all <laughs> kinds of stuff on here. Uh -oh. Jerry, are you sure you know what you're doing? It's Donald Trump, you know, Jerry, are you sure you know what you're doing? I have several things on here from my favorite comedian, uh, Brian Regan. Some of these I'm not – I have no idea if they're clean or not. But I think I've played some of them before. I never understand when a player says he never knowingly took steroids. <laughs> I mean, how naive – Ah, why did you stick that needle in my butt? that occasionally throughout my career. Ah, how come you don't answer my persistent queries? <laughs> you can't be expected to know what's going on back there. <laughs> can't be expected to know what's going on back there with my butt. Ah, uh, yeah, so I got a soundboard too. I just, mine's so full I've lost track of what's on there, to be honest with you. Welcome into the show. You want to text, you want to call. <laughs> A favorite of mine. <laughs> Y'all just caught him in a bad moment. That's all that was. He doesn't. Well, speaking, he does not Chris, really laugh like that. He just giggled like a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my all-time favorite. Hole in the road. Everywhere you go, there's a hole in the road. <laughs> there is. Everywhere you go, there's a hole in the road. All right. It's it Jackson. They're they're paving. They're starting to repair the streets, and they're starting with one mile around the schools. Oh. And I thank God that my church is directly across from the school. <laughs> so It'd be like riding a covered wagon in roughness, you know, getting to it. There you go. From the main drag. Anyway. 
So your church in the road. Your church is right. So you're going to get via proximity. You're going to get your roads repaired around the church. Atta That's boy. right. Already had boy. Love it. Atta boy. Good place for them to start. Schools and churches. There you go. Uh, let's see. I want oh, to I gotta tell you my, I gotta tell you my, now you reminded me of my church. Yeah. Story. You, you mentioned that earlier. Something happened at church. Yes. Yes. So I'm sitting, I sit in the back pew because I, you know, it's Methodist church and I'm former Baptist. So, um, it, I told him I sat in the parking lot for the first six months. So anyway, I'm up there and I'm sitting down and the guy is solemnly reading, you know, some announcements. We had a member pass away and he, he's very, he talks very quietly. Yeah. And all of a sudden, my phone went off. And you know my, my, you know what my ringtone is, right? It's the uh, good, the bad, the ugly. No, it was this one. <laughs> shoot this thing. Well, just shoot up in here amongst us. One of us got to have some relief. <laughs> and, it, and it is. This thing is killing me. Oh, no. Roger. Oh, I, I, I can't imagine. I, I don't know. I was starting to turn red. And the lady next to me. Does that thing where you put your hand up in there and you point down, <laughs> just in case there is any doubt? Oh wow, that's great. Uh, well, I had Jerry at church yesterday. And that's great. <laughs> and that, that pew seemed to just magnify. Oh it just, yeah, it reflected that sound right on out of there, didn't it? Yes, it did. <laughs> that is great. So uh, mute your phones when you go. Mute to church. your phones. Public service announcement. All right. Uh, the real Brian just texted the show, and he said, uh, hey, Matt, why not name it the Banana Hammock Boys? Ran into that <laughs> last year, that guy who had that that the quote out at the College World Series, and he said, my banana hammock. And I, I didn't even know what it was. Honestly, had no idea. I didn't get the joke <laughs> until somebody made me aware of what, an, in fact, a banana hammock is. You might get some uh, interesting traffic uh, just from web searches. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I got a text here from Kosciuszko that I'm not even, I, I just, Roger, preview that for me because I don't, I'm totally whiffing on it. I don't, I don't get it at all. Need somebody with more intelligent eyes maybe to figure that one out for. I think it may be a mistype or typo. What do you think about lists? Look, I, I have, I generally avoid a lot of, talks about lists and things where, you know, you have different writers in the off season of college football and they, they give you a list of, you know, the, the greatest college football stadiums in the sec ranked or ranking the coaches in, you know, the ACC and all this generally kind of shy away, but I read one that had an interesting take or two. What do you think about this? Now, this is a guy that I've known. He, he's been working up there in uh, Louisville and in Kentucky for a long time. Who wrote this? Gene Sapikoff. Um, and he has a list here ranking ACC and SEC football coaches from number one to number 28. They're combining the two conferences. Yeah, that's what that does. It combines the two conferences. Um, this is South Carolina. I'm sorry. This is the Post and Courier up in South Carolina. I don't know why I said Louisville. I was reading Louisville on the list. but uh, 
Anyway, so here's the list. Gene put this together. Now, it's pretty easy for him. You're going to take all the coaches in the ACC and the SEC, pile them up in one thing, and then rank them here. So it's easy for him, and also being in South Carolina, to even want to do this because he's placing Dabo Swinney at Clemson as number one ahead of Nick Saban in Alabama at number two. So look at the framework of this from 30,000 feet. It's May the 6th. There's spring football's over. College football's a long ways off. Clemson and South Carolina baseball right now just kind of All right. And so I'm in South Carolina. I'm going to get everybody's attention and write something here. And so how can I go out here and put something that really strokes the Clemson football fans because they are the national champions? I'm going to tap into that. And also at the same time, get a lot of clicks and a big old rise out of the SEC, particularly Alabama fans. And anytime you do any, this is one thing I do know. For Alabama Nation, just because they are the most successful, the winningest football program in the country with the best football coach over the last 10 years, um, and they have the biggest stadium and maybe the biggest following, it still hasn't put a dent in their kind of inherent inferiority complex uh, for the for University of Alabama fans. It, it's just there. And so anytime you slight them in the light in, in the slightest in any way, you get a big rise out of them. And it's just automatic clickbait and, and you really can drive your traffic for an online article way on up there anytime you really even mention Alabama, but especially if you don't give Nick Saban maybe the credit he deserves. That's just one way to look at this, okay? But but the list, again, he has Dabo Swinney, number one, Nick Saban, number two, combining the two conferences, coaches. That is a flip-flop from the list that he put out last year. So Swinney and Clemson beat Alabama, dominate them, really, in the national title game, and it flip-flops. It's Dabo Swinney, number one, Nick Saban, number two. Look who's number three on this list. Dan Mullen and Florida – one spot ahead of Kirby Smart. So you got Dan Mullen at number three. You got Kirby Smart at number four. He has Jimbo Fisher, number five, at AM. Gus Malzahn at Auburn, number six. And then at number seven is Dave Clawson at Wake Forest. Dave Doran, NC State, number eight. Pat Narduzzi, Pittsburgh, number nine. David Cutcliffe, Duke, number 10. Mark Stoops, Kentucky, number 11. Dino Baber, Syracuse, number 12. That's too low for him. Bronco Mendenhall, Virginia, number 13. That's too high. 14th is Will Muschamp of South Carolina. 15th, Barry Odom, Missouri. 16th, Ed Ogeron, LSU. 17th, Steve Adazio, Boston College. 18, Joe Moorhead, Mississippi State. 19, Scott Satterfield, Louisville. 20, Manny Diaz, Miami. 21, Justin Fuente, Virginia Tech. 22, Derek Mason, Vandy. Uh, 23, Mac Brown, North Carolina. 24, Jeremy Pruitt, Tennessee. 25 is Chad Morris, Arkansas. 26, Jeff Collins. And then the last two spots in ranking the coaches for the combined ACC and SEC, 
27, Matt Luke of Ole Miss, and 28, Willie Taggart from Florida State. So that's yeah, your whole list here. From Gene Sapikoff, the Post and Courier up in South Carolina, uh, combining ACC and SEC coaches and then ranking them out in certain spots. Uh, love off-season. Yeah, it's like off-season that. list. And, again, hats off to Gene up there. By the way, who's going to win the Heisman? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have we decided yet? Hats off to Gene for getting his list out first. Yeah. Uh, because that's a big uh, part of this. But a couple of things. One, would you have Dan Mullen ahead of Kirby Smart? Would you rather have Dan Mullen coach your team or Kirby Smart? Did people know what they had when they had Dan Mullen there? I, mean, I think a lot of people didn't. Uh, the smart people did. And frankly, I'm one of those smart people. I knew what State <laughs> had. But there were a few idiots out there who didn't understand. Look, it happened for as long as it did, I guess. And to me, a coach, in my eyes, the best coaches are the ones who do the most with the least. And if you're Nick Saban and you have the most, how do we know how great a coach you are or not? You ever think about that? He's got three of the top five teams in the SEC. Yeah. Well, you think about it. The one year at Alabama where Nick Saban didn't have the best players, he lost to Louisiana Monroe. Isn't that crazy? All of a sudden, you get the best players, you become the best coach. Neat how that works. Just getting started. Stick around. Knock him out, John. Woo! This man's killing me. <laughs> Back on the show. I still didn't hear any music. Hey, I will tell you, though. I will tell you this. It, it was a blast from the past to hear the uh, let's get physical from Olivia Newton-John earlier in the show. That was a a good jolt of nostalgia and as you know i don't i don't know why i'm so attracted to that certain nostalgic things music television movies stuff from the past like that i don't know why i mean not everybody's that way some people just don't give a flip and i'm not somebody who's always looking back you know the goal is to be where your feet are and i'm trying to live that way but i just every now and then i enjoy a little flashback to, to kindergarten for me, 1982, and we heard... Carefree time for you. Maybe that's what worried. it is. Yeah. You're just worrying about your toys. <laughs> that's all I was worried about. That's all men worry about all their life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get the toys, then you got to protect the toys. Protect my toys, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, but it's neat to look back at it. The reason that came up earlier in the show, if you're just tuning in, is because... Ole Miss took two out of three games from LSU on the road this weekend uh, in Baton Rouge. It's the first time Ole Miss won a series down there since 1982. And how about, you know, David Kellum called them both on the radio this weekend, 2019, and back in 82 as well. How about that? Oh, yeah, he's one of those 40-year guys, isn't he? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, it's actually, I think, the 41st year this year. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Hey, Roger, but speaking of the nostalgia thing, I went out and looked and saw and visited, and then I took my daughter out there with me this weekend in Tupelo for Blue Suede Cruise. 
You ever heard of that? I have. You ever seen it? Is, is that the where you judge the uh, the uh, tribute artist? No, that's that was Elvis Fest. Okay. Yeah, okay. which is a different time of year. The month of May is always interesting in Tupelo. That's where I live. And because you have the Gum Tree Festival, that's actually coming up next weekend, I think. But, you know, that involves the, the Gum Tree 10K race through town and everything, which is neat, and the Gum Tree Art Festival and, and different things that go on in town that particular weekend. But in early May every year in Tupelo, they have the Blue Suede Cruise. And what it is is these people from all over the country that are car buffs that have these classic cars as far back as the 30s maybe as recently as the 70s 80s but all points in between lots and lots and lots of 57 chevys and 55 crown victorias you know and those kinds of i mean of every make and model and paint job and hundreds of them are in town in Tupelo for the Blue Suede Cruise. And they have some different events. They ride around town. and But they also park themselves. Like the entire parking lot around the Bancorp South Arena in downtown Tupelo is just, on that on that west side anyway, it's just full of classic cars. And people go in. They have food. You walk through. You see one. You're looking at it. The person who owns the car stands there, answers your questions, all this. And my 7-year-old daughter, she really enjoyed it, and it's just because, like, I think the colors were fascinating to her. Um, and there was one guy, Roger, who we met. He was from Forest City, Arkansas. You know who Forest City, Arkansas is named after? I do not. It would be Nathan Bedford Forrest. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And the reason is because after the Civil War, Nathan Bedford Forrest was the captain of a unit there uh, in charge of rebuilding that railroad from Forest City, Arkansas, all the way to Memphis, connecting it to Memphis. He's and, a pretty impressive individual. Yeah. Look at it. Yeah. Read he, about him. he camped there or whatever, so they named the city after him, Forest City. Anyway, um, yeah, but he had a 55 Crown Victoria. The paint job was pink and black. And so think about it, in 1955, the original colors sold – off the lot with that car was pink and black. And um, what he had is a little display that was a replica of how they used to come up to your, like in a drive-in eatery, mm-hmm. how they would bring a tray out and hang it on your window. They used to do that at Sonic. Yeah, at Sonic. You know, they hang it on there, you know? And so you got the Coke and the ketchup and mustard and the hot dog and everything, and they put it on your car. And leave You're it taking with me you. back now to the drive-in movies. I'm yeah, thinking about that little speaker that you'd put in your car, uh-huh. in your car window like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it was really neat to to see a lot of those. Uh, we just had that um, there over the weekend. It's kind of a nostalgic thing, but I'll tell you what else they did, Roger. I need to find out the details on this guy. Who he travels all over the place to these types of events. And is a radio, former radio DJ, okay? And he goes and he sets up, got his big trailer with these big speakers that he sets up with it. And he sits there for just like hour upon hour upon hour, spinning the tunes, these old tunes from the 
you know, 50s and 60s. He's playing tracks about stacks of wax. Yeah, that's it. He's playing all these old tunes the same way he would on the radio all those years. Was he doing the, the, the yes announcing and everything? I love it. Announcing between the songs, setting them up, uh, a contest every now and then, a quick interview, and then bang, back over to the hits of 1961, you know? And so, like, and as you're walking around looking at all these old these cars, um, you hear the music, too. And so it was really neat. It was really neat. Now, he intrigued me. I'd love to know more about his story. Um, later in the year, I think it's in October, they have a thing called uh, Cruising the Coast, where a lot of these same folks will go to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Uh, but I'll tell you, Roger, again, here I am in story time, but it just is what it is, so hang in here with me. So after church yesterday on Sunday, my family and I, we went to have lunch at Cracker Barrel. And so it's my wife and me and my daughter. We're walking in, and there was an older lady coming in right behind us, being seated right behind us, but she was by herself. She was a party of one. And something just struck a chord with my wife that on a Sunday afternoon and here at Cracker Barrel, and this older woman is going to sit by herself and eat. And she's like, I think we need to ask her to have lunch with us. And I said, well, you know, okay. And so my wife got up, went down, talked to her, and she said, okay, sure, I'll sit with y'all. So a total stranger now. <laughs> and her name was Norma, and she came and, and sat down with us. She's in her 70s. And so we kind of met there at a table at Cracker Barrel. We start talking, and we got to know her and know some things about her and her family, where she's from, and vice versa. We really enjoyed the time. She was appreciative. We enjoyed it, too. But what was interesting is during the conversation, we learned that Miss Norma, her husband passed away in 2015. But prior to that, he had one of these classic cars, and they used to travel all over the place and showed it. They lived in Sherman, their hometown, Sherman, Mississippi, outside of Tupelo. Mm -hmm. But they would travel all over and, and do the show car thing. And as we were leaving Cracker Barrel, walking out, you know, you walk out to pay and through kind of the store front store area there was a man and a woman there who were in town don't live here they were in town for one of these car show things and uh miss norma looked at her and said well hey it's good to see you again hadn't seen you in a long time are y'all here for the for the show and she said oh yeah you know we're here again and i thought well there's an interesting example of how these people from all walks of life and all different parts of the country actually get to know each other and become friends on this kind of this this tour, this classic car tour that people bring through Mississippi several different times, once in North Mississippi and later on the coast. Anyway, it was a neat experience. It's good to have a hobby, especially if you're retired, I think. I think like, so. And and I've never active. been a car person, but Roger, I tell you, man, that the old classic car thing is pretty cool. Like the older I get, the cooler it gets, you know? Well, Y'all had that big car uh, museum that closed up there. Yeah. That they were sad about that. Well, yeah, they're that's kind of a big deal around here that that's closing, to be honest with you. Sports next with Parrish Alford. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. All set to chat with Parrish Alford of the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. 
shortly. Old Parrish covers Ole Miss for the Daily Journal. And saw 30, how many was it? 34 runs? Combined runs. Hi, Parrish. This is Roger calling from that one. Hey, Roger, I think you're, I think you're coming, coming through to me. <clears throat> there you go. How many? I mean, count it again. 30, 34 combined runs <laughs> in one baseball game. 45 combined hits. 19 to 15, Ole Miss beats LSU yesterday in 10 innings. And it wasn't like it was nip-tuck the whole way. <laughs> Ole Miss led big the whole game. In fact, they led 15-9 to nine going into the bottom of the ninth inning. And LSU, somehow in the bottom of that ninth inning, scored six runs. Some singles and a wild pitch, and then bang, bang, bang. Back-to-back-to-back home runs were tied 15-15 going to extras where Ole Miss scored four runs in the top of the 10th. Won 19-15. Parrish offered on your radio right now. Parrish, you ever seen anything like that one yesterday? I never have, Matt. You know, I was trying to to jump back into the Wayback Machine and and, uh, see what I might have seen. Uh, You know, that was a big comeback in the ninth, but, uh, you know, it was the runs were all the two outs. But the home runs to go boom, 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 you know, just, uh, of course, the first one was a three-run shot, and you're still thinking just one out. You know, one fly ball, one that doesn't quite get out, the game's over. But uh, it it just didn't happen. And finally, uh, uh, Austin Miller replaced Parker Caracy and got that final out. And and then the other thing, Matt, that uh, I think is is overlooked here is Ole Miss was the team that had gas in the tank in the tent. Usually when you see those – those epic comebacks like that, it's its the team with momentum uh, going into extra innings that will go on and finish the job, but it, it wasn't that way this time. O- Ole Miss uh, pushed that lead out again in the 10th, and, and finally uh, it was enough. Right. You know, it's that's it. it not only to, to withstand as LSU started making a comeback – Ole Miss just kind of answered and answered and answered and kept hitting the baseball. But a lot of teams kind of going to – you give up six runs in the bottom of the ninth and you're on the road. Very seldom does that team in Ole Miss's position win that thing in extras. And I don't know that there's stats to back uh, yeah. that up. That's the way I feel about it, though. Well, that's the way I feel, too. And then you know, add to it, that that's just not your typical road environment. Mm-hmm. That, that's LSU. Yeah, that's the the national leader in attendance, and then they had, uh, you know, they had over ten thousand yesterday. They had eleven thousand for the first two games. Uh, you know, that that's a different sort of road environment, and and so I thought it was, you know, I thought Ole Miss deserved a lot of credit for the way it played uh, in the tenth, getting big hits, big hits from freshmen. You know, Josh Hall, Kevin Graham. You know, guys uh, just not intimidated in the environment, continuing to fight, continuing to play. And look, uh, you know, that that's the talking point right now, that Ole Miss was able to come back and win. Had they lost that game, had LSU hit one more home run in the ninth, you know, then it's a real different feel for that team this week. I mean, that's, that's not something that you emerge from unscathed emotionally 
that kind of loss would have lingered and, uh, and, and would have been weighing on the Rebels going into a big series this weekend. Sure. And it is going to be a big one. But you, 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 Ole Miss gets a series win in Baton Rouge for the first time since 1982. So I, I stole, I saw your your post, uh, Paris, where you highlighted the fact that in 1982, uh, Olivia Newton John's "Let's Get Physical" was number one on the Billboard. We played it earlier uh, in the show. <laughs> what were you doing in 1982? Well, 1982, man, I was occasionally uh, catching a game at Alex Box Stadium for Jack LeMade's uh, LSU Tigers. You know, uh, yeah. Skip Bertman was still a wasn't a thing yet. It was still two <laughs> more years before he he didn't even get hired. I was a sophomore at Denham Springs High School, and and uh, you know, just doing the high school things, man. You know, yeah. playing a little football and, and uh, that sort of thing. So it was <laughs> it was a different time. Yeah, you'd hang out with your friends and listen to Olivia Newton John. Right? <laughs> Apparently, because well, uh, somebody helped her get number one. <laughs> That's yeah. exactly right. Well, it's it's neat to think about that. And how hey, how crazy is it to think now in the whole span of time that David Kellum sat there and called both of those series on the radio, nineteen eighty two and this one. Isn't that incredible? Well, I, I hadn't thought about that. That is a, re- a really good point there. Yeah, you know we've been blessed in Mississippi with some really talented uh, radio people and some guys that have hung around and done it for a long time. Sure have. Paris Shawford on your radio covers Ole Miss for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. No midweek game for Ole Miss, and now getting ready to host State. Um, Kendall Rogers of D One Baseball said it'll be a zoo this weekend in Oxford. Kind of, what do you expect? Tell you what, uh, I think it'll be a zoo. I think it'll be very crowded. I think it'll be raucous. And look, uh, you know, these are teams that, I, I don't know, are they evenly matched on, on paper? States had more success, more wins. Ole Miss has had some issues in, in, uh, in some non-conference games, you know, North Alabama and some others. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and not so much that they've had bad losses in the non-conference. Southern Miss last week was not a bad loss. Uh but they didn't. They haven't taken advantage when they've had RPI opportunities against a difficult schedule in the non-conference. They went 0 for three in two games against Louisville and one against East Carolina. You know, you get a win there, you, you don't lose to North Alabama, and that RPI looks a lot different now. And yeah. and maybe Ole Miss would be in position for a national seed. The other problem uh, with Ole Miss right now is they've got nine SEC losses. Three of them are to Kentucky and Alabama. Yeah. You know, two of the two of the weaker teams in the conference. You know, they went you know, went three and three in those six games. If they go four and two or five and one again, that RPI would look a lot different. So, I, you know, for Ole Miss, there's a lot on the table here. I think they're playing for the opportunity to host a regional. I think they're very much in position to do that. But uh, they would have to finish really, really strong, I think, to gain momentum uh, to repeat as a national seed. Whereas I think State's in that position right now. If yeah. they just continue to win, if they close out strong, you know, I, I think they're going to be uh, you know, one of those national seeds that would have the opportunity to play at home all the way to Omaha. So, you know, a lot, uh, lot on the table for both teams this weekend. No doubt about it. Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Oxford. Parrish, <clears throat> excuse me, I appreciate it very much. It's great to catch up with you after what I know was a busy weekend and, and all that. And 34 runs on a Sunday. Man, I appreciate you. All right. Have a good one, man. All right. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. That's Paris Shawford, Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, covers Ole Miss. Yeah. It's 
It's going to be uh, wild in Oxford this weekend. Big baseball series. Opportunity and consequence for both teams. You don't get that very much. Opportunity for Ole Miss, if they can win that series, it helps their case to make sure they're a host uh, in the postseason. Opportunity for Mississippi State, if you just don't get swept, if State can just pick up one game coming out of there, they're on track, then they'll have to take care of business against South Carolina to be a national seed. It's not a matter of hosting for State, but the opportunity is to solidify your case, RPI-wise and everything else, as a top eight seed. That's that opportunity. But consequences. There's consequence for Ole Miss, really, as a program. is, You know, it'd be a, a punch in the gut for everybody that's red and blue to lose that series at home to State. And it could be, you know, it make the case harder for them to host in the postseason. The consequence for State is if they get swept, it, it knocks you out of the national seat thing because, you know, it does not look good on your resume to have, even though it's strong RPI teams in Ole Miss and Arkansas, you wouldn't want to have two road sweeps late in the year on your uh, resume. So there's opportunity and consequence for both teams going into this weekend. Hey, uh, switch subjects real quick. I, I, I want to mention something before we're done. First of all, last week, one day last week, Jake Wimberly, the host of the Afternoon Drive on WRKS, The Zone, 4 to 6 in the afternoons on 105.9 The Zone in Jackson, surrounding areas. He filled in and has done it before hosting this show. And he he does such a phenomenal job on his show and is kind enough to sometimes fill in on my show when I can't be there, that kind of thing. Uh, so just really appreciate him and appreciate y'all listening and calling and talking to him and everything when he's here, but also on his show he does a great job in the afternoons. But hats off to him, too. He's getting to um, guest host the widely syndicated Chuck Oliver Show. Roger, help me out. Is Jake doing that today, or is or did he already do He's it last right, week? Right now. Okay, so uh, he's doing eleven to one. That's when his show is. Okay, eleven to one on on Chuck's show, and I know Chuck. It syndicates all over the place, and yeah, we carry it at night. We can't. Yeah, we've got sure. an outstanding programming. <laughs> yeah, others carry yeah. it at night, but I, yeah, I'm really happy for Jake to get that opportunity. Really am. One of the one of the really good guys in the business and really a hard worker. So I'm proud for Jake to get that opportunity. So y'all hit him up on Twitter. He is at Jake Wim and tell him good job. And don't uh, get him started about that hourglass he does. Don't get him started about His that. Football projection. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's deep in the Excel documents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the engineer in him coming out. Exactly. He, he likes the spreadsheets. But good for Jake. All right. Y'all nail it down. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. See you then. See you. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.